My name is Drew, and I'm the Life Resource Pastor here with Illuminate Church. It's an honor to get to impart His Word this morning, for His Word speaks life into us. So we're gonna we're in the middle of this sermon series titled "Give Me Jesus," and you know what that means? That means I get to talk about the most loving person of all time, and I'm not even talking about Santa. And I'm not even talking about your mama, even though mamas are super loving. I'm talking about Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to John 8. We're going to get started in verse 1 this morning. Uh, Even though we have scripture on the screen, I just invite you to grab a Bible and open it up. It's always good to open the Word. And I see some of y'all charged your Bibles last night. That's good. Uh, We need some more amped up Bible readers out there, if you know what I mean. Uh, But while you're turning to that passage, tell someone next to you or write it in the comments. Say, Jesus set me free. Say it again. Jesus set me free. Declare it. Jesus set me free. One more time. Sing it. Jesus set me free. See, I I, I think I hear some of y'all in my imagination and... uh, Sounds great, sounds great. But um, some of y'all might be saying now, who is Jesus? Well, I'm gonna get to that in just a moment. But let me start with, with this and just say, Jesus speaks life. That's what his words and stories about his life do. They breathe life into our spirits. So it's my prayer that we would all open our hearts to receive the life that Jesus would impart this morning. So I'm going to pray for us right now. And as I do, I would just invite you to ask God to, uh, to, to speak to you this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that you would remove any hindrance, that you would speak directly into our hearts this morning, that you would set our hearts free from anything that would hold us back, Lord, and that we would just run into your arms this morning. Lord, remove me out of the way, and I ask that you would speak, you would impart your word into hearts today. We pray in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. Amen. So every once in a while in my home, we get a really big box in the mail. Now, uh, you know, boxes that come from Amazon or something, but whenever we get a box that's big enough, all three of my sons, they just love this box. Now, for some reason, they love the fact that they can get in and they can get out of the box. And it kind of baffles me uh, to this day when they open that type of box on Christmas. All you parents, you know what I'm saying. That they want to play with the box instead of the toy that was inside the box. The same toy that they circled 5,000 times in the Walmart catalog. Come on, parents, let me hear you. You know what I'm talking about. But, I mean, I'm just like... I. I thought you wanted the toy, son, but you're having more fun with the packaging of the toy. Anyway, here's a picture of my boys playing with one of these boxes. So what my sons like to do is they like to get inside the box and then they want me to close the top of the box. 
and then they let the tension build for a little bit while we wait. And then with excitement and passion, they bust out of the box and, and say something like, surprise, you know? And even after the hundredth time, they really want us to act surprised as they jump out of the, vo- the box. And um, it's, it's fun, at least for the first five times or so. But uh, anyways, what's interesting to me is that, and I think I learned this just a couple years ago, but my son's don't like being inside the box as much as they like the sensation of breaking out of the box. And I think you and I are the same way. There's something inside of us that wants to break out of any boxes we're put in. And what we find is that God is just like that. Now, part of what we're going to talk about this morning is that God does not like being put in a box. And when people try to put him in a box, he breaks out every time. He doesn't even fit in there. So without further ado, let's jump into the Bible this morning. Uh, We're we're going to read from John 8. I'm reading from the Passion Translation this morning. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again. And soon all the people gathered round to listen to his word. So he sat down and he taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And they made her stand in the middle of everyone. Then they said to Jesus, Teacher, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses command us to stone the woman like this? Tell us what you say we should do with her. Now, they were just trying to test Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. But Jesus didn't even answer them. Instead, he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their questions. So Jesus stood up. He looked at them and he said, let's have the man who has never had a sinful desire, throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the dust. Now, upon hearing that, her accuser slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and he said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? Looking around, she replied, I see no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I certainly don't condemn you either. Go, and from now on, be free from a life of sin. So we see three characters in this passage. We see Jesus, the Pharisees, and the adulterous woman. I'm going to tell the story from each of their perspectives. We're going to start here with Jesus. So Jesus spends the night, as he did many occasions, on the Mount of Olives. It was one of his favorite places to pray and get away. 
but he wakes up at dawn the next morning and he heads down to the temple in Jerusalem, which is right across the valley from the Mount of Olives. So Jesus walks into the temple courts, which back then it's called the Court of Women. Now, if you look at this map of the temple, the Court of Women is this big courtyard just outside the actual temple. And if you look at the temple in the back with its uh, uh, immediate courtyard, in order to get there, you would have to walk through the open courtyard area, the Court of Women. This is where Jesus was. And the scripture even tells us he was lounging. He's comfortable. He's sitting on the ground. He's just at peace. He's hanging out with these people and he's teaching them. Now, one thing we must remember is Jesus is as every Christian can be. He's continually listening to the voice of the Father. He's filled with the Spirit. He's walking in love. Peace is flowing from his presence. And he's sitting with this, these people. And as he speaks here in the courtyard, life is happening in their spirits. And we know this because he's just sitting, but everyone is drawn to him. There's something so supernatural and wonderful about his words that they are drawn in. They might not even understand what he's saying, but they know that what they're experiencing is supernatural just by being in his presence. And it's the same with you and me. God puts his spirit within us to become as Jesus is. For as we fill up on his living waters, we pour out the same love and supernatural life that Jesus did. Okay, so we're going to switch over to the Pharisee side of the story now. So Jesus is sitting and teaching in the temple court, and in march the Pharisees. They're dragging this woman who they caught in the act of adultery. And they push her in the middle of this group Jesus is teaching. First off, I mean, how rude is that, right? But a few things we learn about the Pharisees from this passage. First, the Pharisees only brought the woman. Scripture clearly states in Deuteronomy 22 and Leviticus 20 that in the case of adultery, both the man and the woman should be stoned to death. So if the Pharisees were really worried about the law, as they said they were, they would have brought the man and the woman. So already we see the Pharisees, the Pharisees reveal they have no desire for the actual truth. They're trying to push their own agenda. Also, they reveal their true intentions when the Bible says they're just trying to test or trap Jesus. And this is what they seek to do in all of John 8. This whole chapter, they get into this verbal sparring match with Jesus, and Jesus just mops the floor with them. Their earthly manipulation can't even come close to Jesus' heavenly wisdom. But I really hope we can see the Pharisees this morning. I mean, really see them because it reveals what some of our hearts may need freedom from this morning. See, the Pharisees are so stuck in the way things have been that they refuse to see God for who he really is. They refuse to be open to God being bigger and better than the box they've put him in. 
Remember I talked about the box earlier? Yeah, God doesn't stay in our boxes. But to the Pharisees, tasks and rules have become more important to them than God himself. Their own glory and honor was actually more important than finding the true Messiah who's standing right in front of them. Their bondage was the box they put themselves and God in, and they couldn't break free. So they bring this woman to Jesus, and they're accusing her. And Jesus doesn't even say anything. He drops down, and he starts writing in the sand. I love that. Jesus is always doing what we don't expect him to do. But apparently he's taken too long for them and and they're getting impatient. They're like, come on, snap, snap. Come on, Jesus, tell us what you really think. So Jesus interrupts what he's writing. He stands up and he says his famous words. Let him who has no sin cast the first stone. So then he just drops back down to the ground. He continues riding in the sand. Now, I can just imagine the Pharisees' faces as they may have started with this conniving smile, thinking they finally got him. We finally beat Jesus, yes! But as Jesus finishes what he's riding in the sand, their smiles slowly turn upside down. For as they read what he wrote, all of them with stones in their hands began to drop them one by one. They turn around and they walk away. This is one of the great mysteries of scripture though, right? What did Jesus write in the sand? To be honest, we might not know for sure until we get to heaven, But we know that whatever it was, it stopped the Pharisees in their tracks. Now, some scholars believe that Jesus began writing the specific sins of each Pharisee that was holding a stone that day. Other scholars believe that Jesus wrote each of their names along with the prophecy made in Jeremiah 17, 13. That prophecy states, those who turn away from God, their name shall be written in the dust. The point is, whatever Jesus wrote, it was epic. Because the anger and the hatred that was driving the Pharisees was squashed under the, under the power of Jesus' words. Okay, so now we're going to switch over to the perspective of the adulterous woman. We're just going to back up a little bit because we want to get her story and what she went through that day. So first off, she's caught in a shameful act. Did she mess up? Absolutely. But directly afterward, instead of pursuing a way to redeem her, the Pharisees drug her through the streets, which is already demoralizing. Then she's thrown in the middle of the court of the temple of God. How absolutely shame-filling is that? But when the Pharisees push the woman in front of Jesus, they make sure she's facing him, which in turn becomes her redemption because the Bible gives us a deep detail that reveals what she saw. What she saw is the light of the world. She saw eyes filled with heavenly love and wisdom. 
And as she looked at Jesus, she saw something that couldn't be kept in a box, something greater than she'd ever seen. She saw heavenly glory. So we're going to fast forward a little bit in this story. The Pharisees drop their stones. They walk away. And it's just Jesus and the woman now. In perfect Jesus fashion, he says, is there no one left to accuse you? She looks around and she sees there's no one else. And she says, no, I I see no one, Lord. And this is how we know what she saw in Jesus. This is how we know she saw him as divine. Because in the Aramaic, the woman uses the divine word for Lord. She calls Jesus Yahweh or God. She says, no, my Lord. Now, this wasn't repentance. And we don't even know what she really believed at this point. But whatever she saw in Jesus' eyes and in his actions, she, she saw him as God. And she was right to do so because that's exactly who Jesus is. But then Jesus, looking back at her, he says two things. He says, then I don't condemn you either. Meaning, Even though I have the authority to condemn you, it's my heart's desire to redeem you. I don't want to keep you in bondage as as the Pharisees do. I want to set you free. So he does. He proclaims freedom over her in the second statement when he says, go and be free from a life of sin. Now, some think that Jesus is commanding her to never sin again. But that completely misses the point of what Jesus is communicating here. Jesus is declaring freedom over her life from bondage to sin. So now that she's free, he's asking her to choose to remain so. And I just want to be clear this morning. Jesus set this woman free by the power of his word. You see, when Jesus declares freedom over your life and my life, we are free indeed. So this woman came into the courtyard, stuck in bondage to sexual immorality and shame. And Jesus sets her free. And just like that, the chains are gone from her life. She walks out of the courtyard, set free from every weight of bondage that she ever had. I can only imagine this lady's response for all those who've experienced what it's like to be set free in Christ, not just to be saved, but to feel bondage to sin. And then God's power sweeps in and sets you free from the chains. The weight of the world is cast off and the hindrance that made life in Christ so impossible yesterday is gone today. And that's what this lady was experiencing that day. I imagine she was overcome with joy. I imagine she was leaping and dancing. Maybe she was so awestruck that she just walked out of the courtyard in overwhelmed silence. Scripture doesn't really give us the rest of the story, but it does show us how God responds to sinners. He sets us free. So what can we take away from this today? God gave me three things to share with you. 
Number one, just as Christ was in his life, so you and I will be. You see, Jesus is our destiny. Laying down our limits just like him that keep our spirits from soaring. We embrace the will of the Father. And Jesus, he's not just set free in his own life. He imparts freedom to others. This is the empowering of Jesus, but not just for Jesus. It's also the empowering of every son and daughter of God, of you and me. So I just encourage you this morning. I pray you would just receive it, embrace it, live it. How? It's this simple. Because God gives it freely. Just open your arms. Okay, number two, if your spirit identifies with the Pharisee in this story, then repent and be set free. Now, let me confess something before I I speak more directly into this. That up until about four years ago, I was a modern day Pharisee. I followed all the rules and I tried to put God in the box of my own understanding. But time and again, God revealed to me who he was, that he would never fit inside a box of my limited ideas, that he is far bigger and far better than I could ever imagine. Also, he revealed to me that I was was imprisoning myself by judging others. He did a great grace work by setting me free from the chains of pride and judgment. Now I see through the Father's eyes. And that doesn't make me awesome. It just reveals the amazing grace of God for all of us, even for the Pharisee. But just as Jesus spoke difficult truths in love to the Pharisees throughout the Gospels, I'm going to do the same for you this morning. So hear me. If you're struggling with judgment and you're feeling like you're better than other people, here's the truth. You are no better than anyone. Even though you may think you are, you're just as great of a sinner as anyone else. So humble yourself before the Lord. Turn from judgment. Turn from your pride. Turn from your religion and give your life to following Jesus. He'll lead you into a redemptive relationship, not a religion. But let me just warn you, if if you hold on to your way, God will judge you, just as he did these Pharisees in Jesus' day. So I just ask you, do what they couldn't. Give your life to a relationship with Jesus and be saved right now. The last thing God gave me for you this morning is that God proclaims freedom over every sinner. God gives freedom as a gift. He gives abundant life as a gift to every person who trusts in his name. You see, Jesus, he didn't die for us so we could remain in bondage. He died and then he rose from the grave to defeat slavery. He sets you free and me free from our bondage. Hear me, sons and daughters of the King. I'm declaring this over you. You are free in Jesus' name.
I believe spiritual forces of darkness are breaking off of people's lives this morning. Praise God. But, but I just, I want us to move past just here and us getting it in here. So I'm going to declare a little bit more this morning. Galatians 5.1, Paul writes, and this is coming from the Passion Translation. He says, let me be clear. The anointed one has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Now, you might be watching this this morning, thinking that your sin is too bad, that God's freedom work isn't for you. But look at this woman. She's caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus looks straight at her and he says, I do not condemn you. Not just that, but I'm going to set you free from what you've been in bondage to. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you and me? That means there's no sin so bad that Jesus won't set you free from if you will receive his freedom. That's why he's willing to go to the cross to defeat the grave. He did it to set us free. Hear me. John 3, 16. We've heard it. We know the scripture, but, but just let the Lord renew our hearts and hear it anew this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Translation. Baby, there ain't no mountain high enough. Come on. Ain't no valley low enough. Bruno, there ain't no river wide enough to keep him from saving you, baby. Hear me. Salvation and complete freedom are yours today. Will you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Wow. I believe God is doing something wonderful, something powerful in people's spirits. Praise God. So if you're listening to this today, wondering, but how do I trust in Jesus? Let me just say it's very simple. You just tell Jesus that you trust in him. Say, I put my trust in you, Jesus. I give my life to you. But if you would allow us, we're here to walk you through this process. So just write there in the comments or, or, or connect with us through our website. But also, if you need prayer, we want to help you. We want to walk with you. If you want freedom but don't know the right steps to take, then let us walk beside you again. Just write in the comments or go to illuminate.church forward slash connect and we'll reach out to you. But just as Jesus did, let me proclaim freedom over you right now in closing. Let's, let's pray together if you would. Pray with me. Holy God, by your power, because it's what you did by your death and your resurrection, I declare freedom over every heart who's watching this now.
I declare your power, your healing power to sweep in and sweep through. I declare your victory over every spiritual force of darkness that tries to hinder and oppress. I declare your love to sweep in and and, and demolish fear of everyone who's watching this. Lord, I pray the power of your freedom over their lives. I declare you are free in Jesus' name. Lord, and I pray that that you would just raise up a holy generation. I, I believe this is what you're doing. You're doing this right now in our midst. You're raising up destiny within hearts. People feel the destiny you've put on them to do great works for your glory, not by entitlement, not because they feel entitled to do these things, but because you put it on their hearts. You're raising up evangelists. You're raising up prophets. You're raising up miracle workers. Some of them are all in one person. But Lord, you're raising up the gifts to pour out in this world right now. And I just pray freedom upon those who feel the destiny but are not able to be unleashed into their destiny. I pray out of the box freedom upon them that they would be able to bust out of the box that they feel locked down into and they would be able to follow you into freedom and life. Lord, I just pray your power over every heart watching this now. In the name of Jesus, amen.